I want you to turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. As we think about a new year, it's often that we would think about what it means to be new in a lot of things. You're probably thinking about some things around your house that need to be done this year a little bit differently. Uh, You might even be so bold as to say you have New Year's resolutions. I gave up on those many years ago after feeling defeated every February when I didn't follow through with them. But maybe you've got some plans this year, retirements coming up, and you're thinking about what life is going to be like in the new. And a new year is a good time. As I was reflecting back on New Year's Eve, I spent some time, and I'm just always reminded of what Solomon says in uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, where he says, the end of the matter is better than the beginning. And sometimes it does feel that way, doesn't it? It's good to kind of put a bow on something. And I was just writing all the good things that I had seen God do in our family's life. And I wrote some things that I think God did in our church's life that I'll save for a couple of weeks from now as we celebrate some of those things. But God has been uh, faithful to us and good. And, and you know, one of the things that I'm just constantly reminded of is that it's never all bad like it's never all good. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's just not, it's not that way. We often think that a trajectory of our lives should start to, maybe it's here and it should go like this. And it just doesn't do that. It does like this. You know, so it's never all bad, it's never all good. But as I started thinking about what it meant to be new in the new year, I kept coming back to this verse that Paul wrote the Corinthian church. And you're familiar with it probably because uh, you've probably heard me say it from uh, chapter five of 2 Corinthians. And he says it in verse 17, just as if anybody's in Christ, he's a new creation. And, and the verses around that are so important for us to see and to grasp this morning because if you could think about what it would mean to have a a new year and a new you, what might that be? I mean, what would you hope would be new about this year for you? I I have some things that I certainly hope are going to be new for me in the new year. Uh, I'd like, you know, to start the new year with some different things in mind. I'd like to see some new things in our church I'd like to see some new things in our children's lives. And, and, you know, we pray about those things. And as we think about those things today, I want you to think about the totality of what it means to be new in Christ. Because if you understand what it means to be a new creation in Christ Jesus this morning, you really understand something pretty phenomenal. You understand that God is in the business of making all things new. And I want you to just think about that for a second with me. Let's turn and read these verses, verses 16 through 21 this morning of chapter 5. From now on then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective, even if we've known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ since God is making his appeal through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made uh, the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him 
we might become the righteousness of God. It's interesting that Paul starts by offering us a new and heavenly perspective. If you think about what he just said there, it's very important for us to see that he says, if we know Christ, we have a new perspective and it's a heavenly perspective. And you notice that he said in verse 16, something that I had not thought about as many times as I have read this passage of scripture until this week, it had escaped me what he says. Did you notice in verse 16, he says, we don't know anyone from a worldly perspective even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective. Think about what he's saying. Some of the people that would have been reading this, who would have been alive at the time of his writing of this, would have known Christ from a worldly perspective. They would have known him in a physical body. I was just reading uh, in John. I'm, I'm in John right now in my, my daily devotional reading. And I was reading uh, as, God, as the Lord Jesus Christ was calling the disciples. And it's amazing to see what happens as he calls them. He calls them by name, come and follow me. And you remember, the, I think it's Philip that says, how did you know me? And he says, I saw you sitting over there. I mean, it's amazing what God knew. And they knew him. They walked with him. They dined with him. They knew him physically. Uh, I was just reading this morning as Jesus was uh, entering into Samaria and going up towards Galilee. He stopped by Jacob's well there in Samaria and he met a woman who we know, the the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well. And the, the scripture describes him as being exhausted from his journey. That's to know someone in a worldly perspective. When you know me and I know you, we know each other from a worldly perspective. And these people had even known Christ from a worldly perspective, but he says to them, something has changed. We don't know him that way anymore. Well, what changed? It was the resurrection. It was the fact that God in Christ was reconciling the world to himself. And to do that, Jesus crucified for us was raised from the dead. And now when they knew him, they didn't know him in the same way. Do you remember what happened after they saw him in the resurrected form? He did certain things like he had done before. He walked with them, he talked with them, he ate with them, he dined with them, and then he would vanish. And then he would walk into a room where the doors were locked. And he would show up and, and he had a radiance about him and he, he had the nail-scarred hands and the, the pierced side in his feet and, and all of those things. They knew him in a different perspective. They watched him ascend on high to the right hand of the Father. It was totally different because now they got a glimpse of who he was being made new after the resurrection. Well, that's important for us. Because Jesus changed when he was resurrected, Paul's saying to us, we don't know anyone from a worldly perspective. But I actually think that that's the way we think of people all the time. We think of them in a worldly perspective. We ask questions like, hey, where are you from? We very seldom ask, where are you going? Where I'm from is important. I guess my birth certificate says that I was born in Alabama. I don't claim it too often unless you really bear down on me about that. I'm a Vol. I should have been an Alabama fan. Life would have been a lot easier. We'd still, right guys? We'd still be cheering up there, wouldn't we? But the truth of it is, that's where I'm from. Not nearly as important as where I'm going. And where I'm going is that I'm marching onward to Zion. 
the city of God. I've been saved. When we see people from an earthly perspective, where they're from is very important. But when we see them from a heavenly perspective, we start to ask, where are you going? Do you know where you're headed? Do you know if you die today? We might ask them, what do you do? That's a question that we often define ourselves with when we meet somebody new. What do you do? I work in medicine, or I'm a pastor, I'm a teacher. Maybe we should ask them if they understand what he has done for them. We might ask them, how many kids do you have? Always an important thing, build a little camaraderie with people. I called a friend one time and told him that Kathy and I were expecting a child, and he said, that's good, you don't deserve to be any happier than the rest of us. Not exactly what I thought someone might say when you tell them you, you were expecting your first child. It builds something, doesn't it, when you say, how many kids do you have? But maybe the question we should be asking is, are you a child of the king? See, to know someone from a heavenly perspective changes how we view people. Because when I walk out of these doors, I'm leaving the safety of God's house and I'm going into the perilous world outside where the mission field exists and I'm called to be on mission and how I view people changes everything because that's going to change how I interact with my neighbors on my street this year. That's going to change how I interact with the people that I'm at work with. It's going to change how I interact with the people that I play sports with or go to school with. All those things change because now I'm seeing them not from what they could do for me or where they're from or, or what benefit they might be to me or, or how I might step into their world and help them, but now I'm seeing them as God sees them. God sees us as either lost or saved, reconciled or not. And if I understand that, that new perspective actually makes me have a new understanding of who I am and it makes me really see that the new year really could be new for me. Did you notice this? As he said it in verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. When you're in Christ, everything is new. All has been made new. Not just some, but all has been made new. That's a hard thing for us to understand because what doesn't stop are the memories of the things that used to exist in our past. I bet this week you've thought about something from your past that you regret. I bet this week you've thought about something from your past where you said something or hurt someone by your words. I bet this week you've thought about, as you've gathered family, things that you wish you had said to family that's gone on before you and they've already passed away. And you wish you could change that and all that. And that's the reality that we live with here on earth. But it doesn't quite get to the reality of the matter of who we are in Christ. Because it says, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. And I love that it says the old has passed away and the new has come. And it gives you an exclamation point there. The new has come. It's new for us. I've probably told you this multiple times, but I've never seen this on display any more with my own eyes than I have when I have been asked to preach a service at the Dillwyn Correctional Facility in Dillwyn, Virginia. To walk into a room with 200 of your new best friends and they shut the door behind you and say, we'll be back in an hour. 
have fun. And you say, well, where are you going? Where are the guards? You'll be fine. It's a church service. Okay. And they had a choir ready to sing that night. And I went multiple times to preach there with men convicted of all manner of things who had been changed and transformed by the power of the gospel, radically made new. And you could see it on their faces as they sang those choir specials for us, as they led us in worship, as they, they read their scripture, as we prayed for one another. And I'll tell you something that is unlike any other place I've ever preached. I've never had an experience there where I preached where someone wasn't changed by the power of the gospel. They were hungry men, ready to be transformed, and they were transformed. See, when we come to know Christ, all is made new, and all the old is gone. And I want you just to think about all the things that God is in the business of making new. Right now, God is making new life. Not just new life that we see with our eyes, all of that is certainly uh, happening. We, we know that even right now in our children's ministry, we are, have mothers that are expecting, and, and it's a constant thing. As, as people pass away, people are born, and God is making new life and creating new life. And one of the things that I love to do is to take a family downstairs and show them our cradle room. And I love to see little kids being cradled in there and, and held and rocked and played with and sung to and all those kind of things because that's the next generation that God is making new. But it's not just that. God's mercies are new. The book of Lamentations tells us that every morning God's mercies are new for us. We never exhaust them. You cannot exhaust them. What you have done today does not exhaust God. He is ready to meet you tomorrow morning with new mercies for that day. Not only that, but we understand from science that we're seeing new stars appearing in the sky and new galaxies that God is making, new opportunities for us, new friends for us. And God is in the business of making all things new. And as we allow him to make our lives new in Christ, we saw that on display last week as five came for baptism to declare to you that they had been made new by a powerful relationship with Jesus Christ where they had been reconciled to God. And that word reconciliation, it's so important for us to understand. You see, a lot of times we are, are in the process of reconciling people. Maybe you've done mediation for someone where you've had to sit with them and try to reconcile people and their differences and whatnot, but this is different. I want you to see this from the scripture. If you look back at verse 18, it says, everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and has committed the message of reconciliation to us. That, that phrase, God was reconciling the world to himself, that's such a difference than what we do in the ministry of reconciliation. It's different than if you're mediating something between two parties that are at odds with one another. In that case, you're trying to work to find common ground. Here it says that God did all of the work. God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ Jesus. I was just reading again in John, and I love it so much. John 3.16, for God so loved the world... 
And he gave him his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. For Christ didn't come in the world to what? Condemn the world. But that the world might be saved through him. God was doing that in this world. He knew that we were in a position that we could not help ourselves with. We were dead in our trespasses. God was not counting our trespasses against us, but placing them on Christ so that we might be saved by placing our faith in Christ Jesus. And I think that's so important. If you notice in in verse 18, as we read it, it says God was doing the reconciling. And then I love this. There's an interruption here. He says that God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And he keeps kind of going and he comes back to this and says in verse 20, therefore we're ambassadors. So God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ. And then those of us who are saved, he has done something. He's given us a ministry. A lot of people ask me all the time, well, what ministry do you think I might do? Where do you think my gifts might lie, Pastor? And you can certainly take our serve class. Those are online now, aren't they, Pastor Nathan, where people can go to the website and you can take our give and our grow and our serve class and we'll certainly help you figure out a place where you might could serve. But this is a place that it says God has given us the ministry. It's our ministry. This ministry of reconciliation is our task. If we have a new heavenly perspective and a new way to understand ourselves, certainly we now have a new appointment. You notice these last verses in verse 20. We are ambassadors for Christ. Let that sink in for a minute. We are ambassadors If you think about what it might mean to be an ambassador for the United States, you go and you work in an office in a foreign country where you represent the interests of the United States abroad in that country. It's a seemingly insignificant job if you don't understand what's happening, but it's a pretty significant job if you understand the weight of responsibility to speak for a country to another country. When that happens, you need to represent the country that you're from in a way that's in keeping with the ideals and values of that country and certainly the president that you serve under. When we think about being a representative of the king, well, that means something for us, doesn't it? To be an ambassador of Christ would mean that everywhere that we go, we're representing his interests. I've been thinking a lot about our country over the last week as I've gotten to sit around and watch a lot of television and watch a lot more of the news than I would normally watch and read about things. And you just hear about what's happening in our country and Well, our politicians don't seem to have all of the answers, as they never do, as well-intentioned as I believe they are in their efforts to do a good job in leading. And you're hearing people talking about what it needs to take place in the country. We need to take back the country. But I'm not sure that we know what we need to take it back to, which is just as scary as where we exist right now, quite honestly, 
But I do think that there's something that the church needs to recognize. God's way has always been that you and I would represent him every day, one-to-one. And that's the difference maker. It doesn't seem like much when you live in a neighborhood and you're just trying to to form a relationship with a neighbor across the street, but that's being an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ on your street. God placed you there strategically. It wasn't by accident that God allowed you to live where you're living right now. God in his sovereign plan directs all things in our lives so that we might be where we are for such a time as this. And you live where you live to be an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ right where you are. That one conversation that you'll have this week has eternal, eternal significance and importance. Might not seem like much, but when you understand the weight of what's going on and the responsibility that you now have as an ambassador, it's important. What about at work this week? You think that you have that job by accident? I, I tell you, I talk to so many of us who are disappointed with work, we're frustrated with work. We wish that work was different. We don't like where we work. We don't like the people that we work with. And that just shows that we're short-sighted in what we're doing. God has placed you there on purpose for a reason because you are his ambassador. That school that you're going to go to this week, that school that will start back, that team that you'll be a part of, those friends that you'll be FaceTiming with or Snapchatting with or DMing on Instagram or in group text with, all those things become very important because now you're an ambassador. And it might just be as simple as saying, we don't need to talk about this today, guys. That's being an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ, an ambassador at work, at home, at school. And why does that happen? Because Paul says that, We have a job to do in this appointment. He says, God is making his appeal through us. The appeal to the lost world comes through us. It's not a surprise, is it? We've mentioned verses like Acts 1.8. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth because we believe that God wants us to make his appeal, and we do it as we go. We start here in our city, and one-to-one, we're influencing people for Christ, playing the long game with them as an ambassador, living with integrity, living holy lives that are set apart, that are different, so that we may engage people with the gospel. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. These are our marching orders from the Lord Jesus Christ. As God makes his appeal through us, think about the weight of what it means to be an ambassador this morning where you live and with what you have, the opportunities that are in front of you. As we look at a new year, there has never been a time like there is right now where it is more important for Christians to stand up and be unapologetic ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ, calling all men and women to repentance and salvation in Jesus Christ. 
And that's kind of where Paul leaves it, doesn't he? As he says to this church, he made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Does that sound like Ephesians to you? It does, doesn't it? Maybe it just sounds like Ephesians to me because that's all we've read for a year and we're going to be doing it again soon. I know some of you were sad this morning that your Bible didn't automatically open to Ephesians. Some people in my own house said, thank God we're not in Ephesians today. They shall remain nameless, but they're in the room. Um, The scripture says that God made Christ sin for us. He knew no sin. Living a perfect life, he took the weight of sin that was ours and bore it on the cross for us. Can I get you to think about a moment in scripture and in history that every time I think about it, it's almost unfathomable for me. The moment where Christ is on the cross and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you realize that that is the first and only moment where the son was not in perfect relationship with the father? They had had a relationship that we can't even imagine. It was so close. A triune God, three in one, not separated individual parts, but God himself expressed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in that moment when your sin placed on Christ, my sin placed on Christ, in that moment, the father turned his face away. And the excruciating agony of the son saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God did that to the one who did not know sin so he would be sin for us so that in Christ we might become the righteousness of God. I don't know if you have your eternity secure. But there is no way that we could start a new year without me calling you to repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. For you to be saved means that you place your faith in Christ who has done the work on the cross for us, who took our sin, your sin to the cross, paid the penalty for our sin, died and was resurrected on the third day If you've never given your life to Christ, I pray that you would. Oh, I pray that you would today. Be saved. As you think about a new year, church, you have a old responsibility that I've tried to bring back to you today to be new, and that's to be an ambassador. You may have noticed as you walked in this morning something that we'll celebrate in the coming days and weeks, but we have met our goal of gospel engagements. Praise the Lord. It's a good day, isn't it? And we'll have more to say about that in about three weeks. But that doesn't mean that that task is over. 
That was a visible representation for us to be reminded of our calling in Christ. And today, it's the same. Ambassadors for Christ, making the appeal to the lost world. God does it through us. What a responsibility, but what a privilege. A privilege to be able to see our friends come to know Christ. A privilege to be able to pray for the lost. And I hope that you are. I take every Saturday and pray for the lost in my devotionals. A list of people that are on my mind, just to pray for them that God would save them. I hope you're doing that. That you have a list of people that God brings across your path that you're praying for, that this year in 2022, that God would save them and radically transform them. Maybe today you just needed to be reminded that God is making all things new and he made all things new in you. The past is the past, the old has passed away and all things are new. I can't wait to see what God might have in store for us in 2022. It will certainly not all be good, but we do know this, that every good and perfect gift comes from above. And so we praise him for those things. We trust him for the days ahead. I wanna ask you to bow your heads and pray with me this morning. Father, as we come before you this morning, we lift up your name. And we praise the name of Jesus, our Savior. Lord, what a privilege it is to be in your house this morning, to be back in this pulpit. Father, what a privilege it is to be able to open your word and to be reminded again that you have reconciled the world to yourself through Christ. And you have tasked us with being ambassadors. Lord, I pray for this group of people this morning that they would take up that assignment and live it out, honoring you and representing you on their street, at work, at their school. Father, everywhere that they go. Father, we trust that you're working to make all things new in someone's life this morning, to change their life. Father, we pray for the lost to be saved this year. And we pray, as Daryl preached last week, that we'll see greater things than these, Lord, and just get to be a part of seeing the lost become found. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.